So I'm going to move on now to the other part of the State of the Union address, which was the U.S.-centric part, right? The uh, part of the domestic agenda, which I haven't been talking about as much lately, but it is something that is always constantly on my mind. While you're here, though, please like the stream, subscribe to the stream, uh, subscribe to the channel, I mean, hit the bell for notifications after you hit the subscription button. And then if you can, of course, support my work at patreon.com slash Danny Haifan. That's how you support the show with as little as $1 a month or more if you can. And you can also subscribe to my Substack annually if you would like. And you can also subscribe to that for free if you'd like. So there you have it. That's how you can support this work. So moving on. All right. So he talks about Joe Biden in the State of the Union address and many things. I'm not going to get into all of it because I, I don't find all of it important. And there's a lot of performativity, performance going on. A lot of like, oh, look at the little boy who needs insulin over there. Look at the construction, you know, workers over here. There's a lot of performance that goes on in this to try to make the, the United States look exceptional right? It's about reinforcing the American exceptionalism. It's about reinforcing Biden's legitimacy. And it felt a little bit more intense, I think, than what I usually remember these how these speeches go, because there is a lot of this unity, bipartisanship that is actually real in the United States right now. I mean, that's the thing about Democratic Party administrations under late stage imperialism and capitalism. It's that the Democratic Party tends to be the glue that helps Republicans, neocons, and so-called liberal establishment forces unite on the most critical issues, right? That has been a pattern since the Clinton era, arguably. So, and before that, but it became most acute beginning in the Clinton era, this extreme bipartisanship on the issues that matter most to working class people. So there was a lot of this chanting, USA, 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 Every time Joe Biden would talk about, not every time, but many times Joe Biden would mention domestic accomplishments. And so I want to just go over a few of them, okay? One of the things that he mentioned, right, was that the United States had defeated the pandemic, essentially. Well, he didn't say the pandemic was necessarily defeated, he was boasting about how the United States now can lessen its measures, reduce its measures because of all of the things that he has done. Uh, this includes, right, all of the vaccinations that have happened, and it includes, right, being true to the science and the measures. And what's so just awful about that is that under Joe Biden, more people have died from COVID-19 than under Donald Trump. And this is after, right, just all of the things, the vaccine and all the things that we already know about COVID-19, not to mention an administration, which openly bragged about how it was following the science and Donald Trump was just there to profit from and have his oligarchic and corporate uh, friends profit from COVID-19. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is presiding over a society that is seeing still nearly 2,000 deaths 
per day in the United States across the country. And all of this talk of reopening, reopening, reopening is completely without any real support for people, despite all of the talk about, oh, we're going to give support to people. No, there's no support. There's no economic assistance for people that can't work. There's no assistance. There's no real robust public health measures that people can agree upon and that people will follow because they trust the government. No, there's none of that. There's literally just mask off, go back to work. That's what capitalism is about. And guess what? Even though we sound just like Donald Trump, we sound just like anyone else who is talking about needing to reopen to bolster the economy, you know, libertarians and Republicans and pro-corporate forces. I'm going to say the same thing. That's essentially Joe Biden's position on COVID-19. And so it was very clear that Joe Biden was outright lying about his progress that he's made, about the progress that the United States has made. The United States is really in a state of stagnation when it comes to the pandemic and stagnation really with everything. But the United States is not defeating the pandemic. We know that the pandemic now is set to become endemic because of the way that the United States responded to this. And it wasn't a good faith player in coordinating an international response, which is what you really need during a pandemic. You can't have every other, every country doing their own thing if this is a global new virus that you need to coordinate a real public health response to so that when cases do uh, shrink, when there is, are vaccines, that you can actually coordinate something where maybe, just maybe, if this is scientifically possible, because that who knows? Who knows if it would have been scientifically possible to get rid of COVID-19? But we'll never know because the United States didn't do its part. And of course, its allies didn't do its part. And so here we are. And so Joe Biden bragging about, <laughs> that's the, really the key word here, just constantly bragging about how well he has done in this area is just, you know, to me, criminal. And so... There are other things that we need to talk about in, in relation to the domestic situation. So, of course, China came up, right? You can't have a speech, I guess, from the president of the United States without talking about China. And so China was brought up in terms of infrastructure, right? This competition between China and Joe Biden said, you never bet against the American people. Right? And I couldn't just think to myself, okay, so you told, he said he told President Xi Jinping this. He said, I told Xi Jinping that it's never, it's never a good thing to bet against the American people. And I'm just like, who's doing that? When is Xi Jinping, <laughs> Xi Jinping, when is Xi Jinping bet against the American people? No. Actually, I'm sure President Xi Jinping of China is thinking, oh, I, I really am go I really want to bet on the American people to actually stop this new Cold War so we can get on with uh having some kind of mutual partnership that is economically beneficial to both countries. I think that's more where Xi Jinping is at. And so there's all this projection going on and all this tough guy stuff that Joe Biden likes to do. But, you know, it's all about this buy American and we're going to really build infrastructure this time. It's not, we're not going to talk in weeks. We're going to talk in the, the uh, decade, the infrastructure decade, not an infrastructure week. And he was able to acknowledge, right? I'll give Joe Biden credit this. 
credit for this. He was able to acknowledge that China indeed is investing in infrastructure in the United States is behind. And that is just objectively true. But then he goes out and promises something that is just not going to happen. He promises something like 500,000 electric vehicle stations. And even CNN, if you look at their fact check, they say, no, not so fast. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen. And in fact, given all of the various forces that could get in the way from economic forces to political forces, it looks like that's probably not going to happen. So here you have Joe Biden lying literally about what the U.S.'s capacity is to invest in renewable energy. Meanwhile, in China, you have the vast majority of renewable energy, especially in relation to electric vehicles, residing there, right? The vast majority of all uh, capacity for renewable energy, including electric vehicles, uh, resides in China. And that is just a categorical fact. And Joe Biden doesn't want to open the can of worms about why that really is. It's not about China betting against the American people. It's about China investing in public infrastructure in China, having a government that actually is in control of how to plan an economy and how to do so in the interest of the people on the planet. And the United States doesn't have that. So Joe Biden, just all he can do is lie. And he can only lie because there's no inspiration in just saying that you're an austerity regime, that you're just going to continue to enact austerity. He goes on to talk about how he has added all of these jobs, right? 6.6 .6 million jobs. Well, these 6.6 .6 million jobs, the vast majority of them are low-wage jobs. They are not good jobs. Actually, there was a report in CNBC in the last six months that said, actually, job numbers are down for low-wage workers. So the recovery is not coming for those who make under $30,000 a year, who make less than $15 an hour. The recovery is actually still a depression for them because job numbers are down. And even CNN, again, the CNN fact check report had to say that actually, even though the job numbers are true, it obscures the fact that the U.S. economy is still behind pandemic times, pre-pandemic times, meaning that there are fewer jobs in the United States now than there were in 2000, the end of 2019, by around more than about 2 million, a little bit more. So Joe Biden didn't want to say that. He just wanted to say, oh, I've created all these jobs and I'm going to fix everything and everything is all good, right? You can trust me. And when you have to say things like, I've got your back, you're going to be okay. And if the rule, <laughs> I mean, this is just a rule if the ruling class is telling you, but really if anyone is telling you that after they've lied to your face, you, you got to just pause and say, well, is this a friend of mine, right? Like when somebody does that, it should be an indicator that you're not going to be okay. <laughs> if they have to tell you you're going to be okay, right? These people who have the power to determine your future and your economic livelihoods and how you live your life and your uh, living conditions, then yeah, it's likely you're not going to be okay. And Joe Biden is surely not going to make it okay for workers and oppressed people here in the United States or around the world. And we saw that through all of the bravado and all of the empty promises. Joe Biden treated the State of the Union as another opportunity to campaign. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to make healthcare cheaper. We're going to build all these roads. And there is just no real 
evidence that whatever happens, right? And and you know, there it's not like there aren't policies. There are policies that have been passed, the infrastructure bill, which we know was a privatization giveaway. We know that there's that build back better bill that is probably not going to go anywhere under Joe Biden's first and likely only term. So there is policy out there and there's some that's going to be implemented like the infrastructure bill, but there's no evidence that it's going to meaningfully change the lives of working people. And that is why there is such a low opinion of Joe Biden right now, because COVID-19 is still a problem. Unlike Joe Biden's state of the union address, COVID-19 is still a massive problem for people, especially healthcare workers, but really for all people, it's still affecting our lives to a significant degree. And people are dying still. We have to acknowledge that. But the entire trend across all governments, across the local, all the way up to the federal, and Joe Biden himself, the trend is, well, we're going to live with it. And Joe Biden is the gaslighter in chief. And he'll say, well, we're not actually going to live with it. We're going to do something about it, but we're going to live with it because what we're doing isn't good enough, right? That is the overall message that he's sending. And one of the things that was so disgusting about the State of the Union when he would talk about domestic policy was how he would invoke Trump and how he would invoke the prior president and how he would make contrasts and how his Democratic Party friends in Congress would put on these just absolutely just deplorable and classless acts of celebrations and cheers and boos about Donald Trump. This is where the Democratic Party just absolutely infuriates me. And, and I understand why it is so important as much as I think that the whole duopoly needs to be overthrown and taken out and opposed and organized independently of. It's important to realize and why I've written for Black Gender Report and why I always support forces and engage with forces that are putting in the work to talk about the duopoly and oppose the duopoly, it's because also the Democratic Party is designed and organized at this moment to not only be the war party and the party of austerity, but also to be the weapon against the left to hold the left back and preferably, if there's any movements that emerge, place them squarely in their graveyard of social movements. That is what Joe Biden was doing in oh in and will continue to do in a State of the Union address. He was once again diverting all the attention to Donald Trump around domestic issues. Look at how good I've done compared to Donald Trump. And then the cheers would come in. And then he would talk about Trump's stimulus bill and the booze would come in, right? This is just performance, partisan performativity to distract from the fact that Joe Biden's administration has actually been woeful in regards to all of the areas that he was bragging about from renewable energy to employment to the fact that working class people especially low-wage workers are struggling now more than ever despite having a president that says otherwise that's why he is the gaslighter in chief the republicans will tell you to your face that they want to starve you and so we understand we're not going to vote for them and we're certainly going to organize against them but we also understand that the democratic party really does provide a buffer between not just the gop but the entire ruling class 
and the masses of people, the workers, the oppressed. I mean, that's what they are designed to do. That's what their role is, the Democrats. So lastly, this is my last point on the domestic agenda, right? Because we know what Joe Biden didn't say. Joe Biden didn't support Medicare for all. He didn't support student loan forgiveness. You had the squad and people like Pramila Jayapal saying, Joe Biden, you have to say you're going to cancel student loans, all cancel student debt in this speech. And it's like, were you born yesterday? That's not going to happen. He's told you over and over again, he's not going to do that. Why do you continue to act like that's going to happen? So the big red flag, right? The thing that is actually getting some attention, and it should, is his comments on policing. So Joe Biden comes out and he said this since the beginning. He said this since the campaign that Joe Biden is against defunding the police. He does not care that police departments take up upwards of 30, 40, half of city budgets at times. It doesn't matter that police departments around the country get, you know, roughly a couple billion dollars uh, annually. Um, well, actually, I don't know if it's a couple of dollars, but it receives millions upon millions that leads to billions since the uh, uh, 1043, I think it's 1043, the, the, uh, the program that uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats and the entire ruling class, the government, supports the program that sends Pentagon weaponry to the police departments around the country, which militarizes them. I mean, that is, and this is going to drive me crazy, so I have to look it up, but that is uh, the, that is what Joe Biden supports, right? So Joe Biden supports funding the police. He said that outright. Doesn't matter that the police already receive all of this money from the federal government in the form of literal weapons, right? Weapons that the military uses in wars, police departments around the country are carrying around. Uh, doesn't matter. Joe Biden wants more money because that's what you do when you want the police departments to improve and reform, he says, right? That is... Joe Biden's position. And he was very clear about that yesterday in the State of the Union address. He said that he is against defunding the police and he is for giving more money. And he bragged about the American Rescue Plan giving like a slush fund of a couple hundred billion dollars for police departments to essentially reform. And this should tell us all we need to know about Joe Biden, crime bill Joe Biden a literal architect of the mass incarceration state, little known in 1986, he was also part of the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, the act that began the street three strikes laws and the mandatory minimums that was famous under uh, Reagan's administration that began this process. He also helped author that. But of course, he's more well-known for the role he played in the 1994 crime bill and the 1996 Immigration Act, which had crime bill elements to it. He's more well-known for his support in being an author uh, of those bills and an architect and, an out, and a supporter of those bills, of the super predator, predator narrative. Joe Biden is a white supremacist. <laughs> Joe Biden has 
been a white supremacist for his entire career. No matter how much he lies. Okay, so it's a 1033 program. I said 1043. 1033 program. That's the program that the Pentagon has to send uh, weapons to police departments. Okay, so he supports that. Doesn't he mention it? Nobody really does in government. But nonetheless, Joe Biden is for increasing the police militarization of society. He is for, honestly, the crackdown and the suppression of the very protests and the very movements that Democrats pander to in order to garner votes, especially the black vote, right? Because it's all about how to keep black people in the Democratic Party. It's all about how to keep the black left from being able to be independent of the Democratic Party. And by extension, the entire left, because where the black left goes, the entire left goes. And so that's why there is this universal assault on left politics from the labor movement to the anti-war movement, to the environmental movement, and of course the black movement being one of the more prominent focuses, uh, points of focus for the Democrats. And so Joe Biden, he doesn't even care about any of that. He is willing to say, and he is confident that black people and their allies and Black Lives Matter forces will support Democrats anyway, no matter if he says that he wants to fund police more. You can protest him all you want, but to be honest, there hasn't been any, right? Look at the way that things have changed since Donald Trump have left, has left office. Joe Biden has increased deportations. He has continued the militarization of police. There have been a slew, uh, just a, a whole, from Duante Wright and others, of people killed by police, Black people killed by police, right? And we can talk about the economic conditions, the way that Joe Biden has escalated U.S. foreign policy. The way that Joe Biden has not made good on his environmental pledges, but each and every one of these movements have not really reemerged in any significant way under Joe Biden. The Democrats have once again shown why they are the more effective evil, because they can put a pause on political resistance. They can dampen it by funneling political energy and funding, right, providing direct funding to certain forces which can demobilize people. And that's what we are seeing here is that Joe Biden is operating. He may be the walking dead. He may have all of these cognitive impairments. He may just be an arm of the establishment, but he is walking on terrain where he does not have to be concerned about any of it, right? The only concern he has right now is that if he does somehow, right, have the energy to run for a second term and try to be a two-term president, that the only thing he has to be concerned about is the fact that he's on the fast track toward not being able to do that, toward a Republican-majority Congress coming up in 2022, which will only hamper his capacity to do things that he doesn't even want to do in the first place, right? But the, the, the element of performance will be gone, right, with them, with Republican-majority Congress. There won't be even opportunities to perform so that will only lead to more disillusionment because defeat only leads to more defeat in many ways when it comes to establishment politics. So that's what Joe Biden has to be concerned with. And that is really what we saw at the State of the Union address was an attempt to, to just kind of campaign your way through a speech and to tell people that things are all good. Things are all good for working people. Things are going better 
life is improving, conditions are improving, and you should support me. You're going to be okay. doesn't matter that COVID-19 is still killing people, still disrupting the economy, still disrupting your life. It doesn't matter that the job situation is still very precarious for most people. It doesn't matter that poverty went up when I stopped the child tax credit for children, right? That it went shooting right back up by millions of children. None of that matters. What matters is that I'm president. I'm smiling. I'm here. I'm performing. Look at Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris. They're so friendly toward me. Nancy Pelosi didn't rip up uh, my State of the Union address, right? She didn't do that. I mean, that is what we have, is we have a performance. We have a presidency that is all about serving the ruling class in a way that looks better than what preceded it, Donald Trump. It's all about public relations at this point. We are in one big public relations campaign that is faltering, that is stuttering, that is stammering, that is just tripping over itself, right? That is what the Joe Biden administration is. And we have to be able to connect both this hawkish foreign policy that he demonstrated with the fact that he is prepared to give away to his corporate and capitalist friends, his donors, more and more and more and take more and more and more from people to give to them. That's what, that's what the situation that we're in. We're in for more austerity. It is, it is a guarantee right? When you say you're going to fund policing more, when you say that you're going to provide more military assistance, when you say that you're going to focus on all of these endeavors, and then your actual policies are all about laissez-faire with COVID-19, everybody just go back to work. I'm going to create low-wage jobs, but I'll just tell you that they're good jobs. That means more austerity is down the pike, more exploitation is down the pike, and we have to be ready and willing to call it out and start to also call out our friends who, you know, we've seen during this Ukraine-Russia crisis that people's allegiances are confused, that their loyalties, that their politics, they're confused. And when there's confusion, usually that defaults to the establishment narrative and it defaults to establishment pro-establishment politics because usually confusion is a sign of of dual loyalties of loyalty to the order as it exists now imperialism as it exists now the united states as it exists now versus what could be right and i think what's missing here is a vision for what could be and what should be right because it's one thing to want medicare for all it's one thing to want student loan forgiveness. It's a one thing to want all of these universal policies that are socialist-ish. But it's another thing to understand what kind of system is required to get that. And then what kind of activity is needed to then get to that system, a real socialist system. Because we're not going to ask or even demand our way, right, just by asking the Democrats through our votes to do what we want them to do. When has that ever worked, right? And I think that's where the model of a lot of the Sandernistas is so incorrect, is that their method of struggle reflects a historical ignorance of how 
real achievements of oppressed people are won. How do you win those achievements? You do not win them by saying, okay, we're just not going to vote for you. And maybe we'll flirt with third parties. Maybe we'll make the MPP. Maybe we'll make, maybe we just won't vote. No, the vote is not powerful. It's not. It's just a tool of reproduction of the political system. It is not a tool to enact change, right? It never really was, but it was only valuable insofar as there was, of course, the race problem in the United States, which even prevented these uh, bourgeois political rights, these bourgeois democratic rights from certain sections of the population. But once those barriers, at least symbolically, are lifted, even though structurally there's still a lot of barriers to voting, once that's lifted, then you you kind of see and you can see what the reality is. And the reality is, is that class society is not determined by voting. It's determined by political struggle and the struggle between opposing forces and which force ends up winning via whatever methods are needed to get there, violent, nonviolent. In the United States context, that's to be determined. In other contexts, it's been a mixed bag, but a lot of it has been, by necessity, revolutions that overthrow the existing capitalist, imperialist, colonial order. That's how successful revolutions have been won. And so Joe Biden's administration is all about arresting that process, putting history on hold, right? Because as I said in the beginning, this multipolar world is happening and the United States can't do anything about it. What the United States can control is how long it can hold on to its hegemony, how long it can maintain its hegemony by arresting the balance of forces in the United States, by ensuring that any kind of sentiment, any kind of popular sentiment for... Uh, demands and for policies that will improve people's lives are put on hold on the back burner or obliterated and eliminated through violence. I mean, that that is the history of the United States in a nutshell, right? Establishing a violent colonial capitalist and imperialist order. And then from then on, any resistance to it, responding with both psychological, political, and military violence. That is the history of the United States, and it is the legacy that Joe Biden not only sits upon, but is charting its own form and its own place in that legacy in a moment of extreme crisis.